Welcome to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. My name is Mary Kay Blum, and we're so happy you're here with us today. The reason for our time together is to hear and learn about topics vital to leadership, influence, and the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields, and together with Mike Atkinson, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, and we're glad you've joined us today. We really would appreciate your feedback. Let us know if we're scratching where it itches in terms of leadership and influence, or maybe you have an idea for a guest or topic. It may seem old school, but it's how we roll. Send us an email at info at doorways.cc and let us know how we can best serve you. Today, Mike and I are going to talk about the expectations of a leader. I think it's a great topic you suggested, Mike. Uh, Can you give us an idea of what made you want us to consider this topic? Well, yeah, we started that series or we're doing a series on kind of basic leadership and management traits or abilities or skill sets. And we talked about communication and I know you and Rob talked about decision making. And I thought this one kind of just fell kind of right next in line. And that's expectations and how we as expectations as leaders place those on those that that we lead and the, and the ones that we lead place those expectations on us. When those are not met, those aren't fulfilled one way or the other, it leads to a series of things, whether it be frustration, conflict sometimes. And it's important, not only just in the workplace, but just think of all the, most of our members in DLAN are dealing with churches and nonprofits. So we're dealing with volunteers. And in a workplace, we have paid and benefits to use as a leverage. But when you're dealing with volunteers, you really don't have anything to use. And so it's very important that we set expectations clearly, that they're understandable, and that everybody's on the same page. And I kind of thought that would be a good topic for us to discuss. What are your thoughts? No, I think it's great. I put together a list of eight qualities that I think are important. There are certainly more. But at the end of the eight qualities is the ninth one that I think helps us uh, encompasses most of them. So about if we begin by me listing the eight that I think are essential, then you can feel free to add any you think are important too. Here we go. Not necessarily in order. Here are my top eight. Trust, honesty, fairness, vision, communication, or being a good communicator. I don't know quite how to say this one. Having a pleasant disposition development, and empathy. So those are my eight. Do you have any that you'd add to that? Yeah, I definitely do. And, and kind of step back a little bit, I probably would give a thing to start with how do you define expectations? And I think for us, it's a desired behavior or outcome that we're looking for. And definitely those eight things that you mentioned are going to be important in whatever role you're in. And so trust and honesty, fairness, how we interact with others and how we treat others is just so important. I remember when I first, when I came back into this position that I'm at now, a little over 10 years ago, I had a set of five expectations that I went over with my staff, each one of my direct reports. I'm not going to go through all, all five of them now, but at the kind of the top or important ones were I wanted a team player. So I want everybody to say, you know what, nothing's too small for me to do. And that I don't want to ever hear that's not my job. I think part of us in our accounting administration role is that we're support for our operations team. They're the ones out doing the day-to-day business, helping generate income and paying, basically paying our, our payroll. So nothing 
no part of us, no, no aspect of our team or, or my team, I wanted us to, to, to bounce back to them and say, really, that's not important. That's not something we should be doing. We're always going to respond in a positive. I want a positive attitude towards the company and towards our other staff. So I think it's important to me that my staff have a positive outlook towards each other, that they have a positive outlook towards the company. And so I get frustrated when I go and you probably do the same thing as when you talk to others in a social setting or whatever, and all they give you is 10 minutes of grief about where they're working and what, what's going on in their organization or their company. I think that's just a direct reflection, not only on just your company, but on you as a person. And so I wanted everything to remain as positive as possible. And then one of the things I put in there as far as expectations for me was always looking for ways to improve, whether it's your personal self or in what you do in, in what we do as a company. And one of the things that frustrates me the most is when people say, well, that's just the way we've always done it. I'm like, mm. there's some things that are tried and true, but there are some things that I believe a lot of organizations and people miss out on because they're not willing to look at ways things can improve. I wonder if it's ever a good idea for us in a position of leadership to go to our staff and say, what are your expectations of me? Have you ever done that? Yes. And a good example. We had just in our last Saturday's, or the last one we did with the dealing train with Alan Vanderberg. Remember, he went in and talked to his boss and said, hey, I'm just going to let you in on my insight and things. And I'm sitting in the office next to you, whatever, and I'm working on stuff. And my entire mindset is, is this what he really wants? Is this what he's expecting? Is he happy with what I'm doing? And so he went and talked to him and said, hey, here's what I want us to develop an understanding that if I do something wrong, then you're going to let me know. You're not just going to let me continue to do what I'm doing. Or if I'm not doing something that you want me to do, that you're going to come in my office and tell me and let me know. And I think that's a great example for us of setting expectations from the get-go. And for me, I've had to remind myself multiple times when I get frustrated or get upset with a, with a staff member, it's like, did I actually talk to them about that from the from the uh, get-go? Or do they do we have a conversation about that? Or am I just getting frustrated over something they're not even aware of? About. I remember my first uh, job performance review that Ira had done on me. I got completely blindsided by my supervisor. She had a list of about eight things that I was just completely doing wrong. And I've been working for a little over a year. And it's like, where is this all this coming from? It's like the first I've ever heard of it. Like, you're not getting this reporting on time to this supervisor or whatever. And I'm like, I don't work for that person, but they've never expressed being upset about my deliverables. And so I wrote a, a response back. On, on the job performance review, it's like, I don't mind. I, I know I have areas to improve, but talk to me throughout the year. If, yeah, if let's not wait 12 job months. Job performance review where you just once and all of a sudden you're bringing these to light. That's kind of the wrong time frame to do that. And so one of the things I learned from that is what is a huge example of what not to do. I've gained benefit uh, from that from then on. It's like, I want to make sure that, that my people understand throughout the year of what where, where they stand, how things are going, what they're doing well. And I think it's important. Communication is so huge. Let me explain it again, because I, I appreciate your answer and what you're saying. But I didn't completely answer what at all what you had. Well, well you may have. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's a good, I don't know if there is a good answer to it. Should we allow our staff to tell us what their expectations are of us as leaders? Oh, Absolutely. That's part of the, the process is the communication. Communication isn't a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And what? So, when, when did this happen that communication was a two-way street? Come well, on. here we go. So what about newlyweds? 
walking into a marriage? Do you think both of them have expectations? Of I what bet the they do. To, what the message, what the marriage is going to be like, and how long does it take for reality to set in? Like, well, this isn't. That's why I think pre-marriage counseling well, is so. Let's easy. say if the honeymoon's a week, it would be like on the eighth day. <laughs> if the honeymoon is like a weekend, yeah. it's going to be on Monday. <laughs> Everybody walks and say, "Hey, my marriage is going to be perfect. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be wonderful every day." And then soon reality clicks in and morning breath and everything else comes into play and people understand, hey, this isn't the person I thought exactly that that I was marrying. And it works in the same place in organizations and jobs. We go through this honeymoon or this process of hiring someone, we give them all the glowing aspects of the company and everything's going on. And then pretty soon reality kicks in and all the things that you said that were positive and and then they start really to realize how things really work. But absolutely, anytime there's a conversation, you need to, they need to have the opportunity and the ability to express their expectations as well. And I think that's important because if you're not meeting their expectations, and we've talked about this several times before, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. And if you're not helping meet or reach those expectations, then it's not going to be long you're going to be looking for another, another person. So uh, I'm going to go back to, to my list. I started with trust and I guess that really that is a pretty primary thing to me. Mm-hmm. If if you can't trust the person you're working for or working with, right? That's a boy, that's a deal breaker. I think the trust keeps in mind the best interest of both the company and the employees, rather than I have my best interest in mind and mm-hmm. you need to have my best interest in mind. <laughs> and yeah. And it really has nothing to do with the growth of the company, the development of the company. It's all about that individual. And and when that trust is broken, that's a that's pretty trust is pretty difficult to rebuild. Absolutely. It's huge. It's a strong component of any successful partnership, any, any successful interaction is the ability to trust each other and that you're going to perform and deliver and yeah. find that, but in inappropriate ways. So Absolutely. I think that's just a, a building block. And and not just in work relationships, but in family relationships yeah. too. So yeah. Once trust is broken, man, it's a, it's a bridge. It is. And when, when that, when that bridge washes out, there's no way to cross until you can rebuild it. There's not a way across. Yeah, I totally agree. Here's my second one that I wrote. I said, honesty. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, that honesty, reading some of John Maxwell's stuff this last week, and he speaks about the ability of a leader to come out and admit when things have gone wrong, right? Things didn't go well. Right. Uh, I think a real leader, a strong leader should be able to do that. It's a weak leader, I believe, who can't come out and say, this was wrong or I was wrong. I took us down a wrong path and they need to be able to do that. Also, then uh, I, I wrote down what I really dislike in leadership is when there are two sets of rules. What's right for thee is not right for me. Yeah. And I think we can't live that way any length of time, or certainly we can't work well together any length of time when we realize that uh, this is this is what I'm supposed to do, but somebody else can do something totally different. We see that in the lives of a lot of politicians too. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I think we do. And then we wonder why it appears as if we're so divided. I think politicians are are dividing us from them. Okay, yeah, well, one let's of the, not talk about politics. Well, one of, one of the best examples of honesty and accountability I heard was from 
Jocko Willink. He, he does a podcast. He's a former Navy SEAL. And he talked about a mission they went on in Ramadi in Iraq, and it ended up being friendly fire situation. Two groups of allied military groups started firing upon each other and ended up uh, resulting in a casualty and, and some injuries. And so he was called before when he got back to base, they said the, his superiors were already on the way and that he was going to have to come up with what, what went wrong. And, and, and he knew that they were ultimately going to look like who's to blame. And so he spent the next day going over everything and saying he just didn't feel comfortable with what was going to be said and what was going to be done. So they get to the meeting and one of his groups stands up and says, it's my fault. I didn't get this covered. And Jocko says, no, it wasn't your fault. Next guy stands up and says, hey, it's my fault. I didn't get this done. Jocko says, no, it wasn't your fault. And then eventually he goes, hey, guys, I just want to say it was none of your fault. I was the commanding leader. It's my fault. Here's the thing. It ultimately relies on my shoulders. I was the one who's responsible and it relies on, it, it's on, my, it's on me. But here's the things that we're going to correct going forward. Mm. And he said, yeah, I put myself in line, but then my superiors trusted me even more after mm. that. The ones I led trusted me even more because they knew that I had their back. I think as leaders, we need to be honest about when things go wrong, things go right. We're the ones ultimately responsible. It's not it really doesn't matter who was at fault. How are we going to fix things? How are things going to move forward? And we're going to be the ones responsible for it. And I think like you illustrating what you said, when we start finding fault in others, blaming others, then it really sets the entire organization, uh, set, setting them up for failure. Yeah, deflecting off of ourselves the blame and onto someone else, thats that just doesn't work. Doesn't yep. work at all. I, and, and unfortunately, it's a prevalent situation. It is. Uh, the third one I wrote was fairness, that a leader has to be fair, both when there's conflict, mm-hmm. and they also have to be fair in compensation. Right. So I wanted to do that alliteration with conflict and compensation. I thought that I go. could remember it better. But the most important one, probably, well, I don't know which is more important, but I really know in conflict, I certainly want a leader to be fair. Right. And just as we said earlier, we're not deflecting onto somebody else. We're looking at the whole situation, taking everything into account and realize the leader's going to have broad shoulders or they're not. There needs to be fairness there. I agree. I think we want to seek for consistency, but we also understand that being fair doesn't mean always being the same for every person. And so I think we, you, all of us with kids understand how we interact um, with each child differently. And so it's not always going to be cookie cutter, try to keep things the same, but I think there is some consistency that you seek for. And I think that's a, that's a great building block and an operating structure to have, but understand that fairness does not doesn't mean the same thing for everybody every time. Our former pastor, Phil Taylor, is quoted as saying, life isn't always fair, but God is always faithful. Or life isn't fair, but God is faithful, I think is how I said it. And so in a spiritual context, that looks a little different maybe than in a working context. But when you realize you're right, fairness is not the same for everybody. It's what's fair for this person is not necessarily fair for that person when you put all these things into the mix. And if we're looking for fairness, we're probably going to always be sorely disappointed. But if we're looking for consistency or faithfulness, then I think that that's something that we can work with. The uh, fourth thing I mentioned was vision, Mm -hmm. not circling the wagons. You know, explain where we are, where we're headed. 
Did right. we take a wrong turn? Well, let's explain the wrong turn or at least give some kind of, of a sense of this is this is where we need to go. I need your help getting us there. Mm-hmm. But if we can explain the vision and get people on board with the vision, I think that's a real high expectation of a leader that has to be met. Yeah, totally. Absolutely agree with that. And as an organizational leader or staff leader or parent helps develop that all these basic things that we've already talked about with trust, fairness, and, and honesty, if there's a sense of we're in this together, we're going in the same direction, or we know which at least where there were, there's something out there that we're, that we're moving towards. For us as leaders, it kind of helps build that, I was going to say highway, but the, the roadway for, for us, if we can kind of help guide them along that way. I think it's structure. And one of the things we talked about earlier in this podcast, that the frustrations that come from just not knowing, the unknowing, what's going on, where we're at, why things are, why they are. And as leaders, it's our, respons- it's our responsibility to help define those things. And if we don't want to do that, if we skirt away from that, then I'm not for sure about our true desire and ability to be a leader. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him. Thanks for listening.